You know, I was sitting there thinking about um, um, just the whole season, and Michelle and I went to the jail, and I think I already said this, and handed out candy, and it was good to see. It was good to see everybody. It wasn't super happy to see all the people that I know that are back in custody. I was kind of bummed. A lot of them I didn't even know were in custody. Um, some of them were very friendly. Some of them wanted to act like I didn't see them, like they were invisible. Um, but I was sitting there just thinking, what separates me from them? You know, it's not the wall. It's not the bars. It's a choice. It's, it's making, it's getting up every day and making a choice to do what is right. That's what keeps us out of jail, right? That's what keeps us from making those bad choices that get us into trouble. You know, it's not just, most of the time, it's not just one huge decision. It's a series of just like little, meaningless choices that seem like they're no big deal. A drop of water is no big deal, right? But if you think about a drop a second equals 600 gallons of water a year. You know, so it's those little things that don't seem like they add up to much, but it, over a period of time, they do add up to quite a bit, and they can affect us in a huge way. So just really kind of think about the choices we make. You know, tonight we're going to share out of Isaiah, Isaiah 40, 12 through the end. And uh, earlier I was thinking about when I was reading this and the title of it and and in, in when I was going to secular recovery, um, I was told to pick something that was more powerful than me. I'm like, okay, well, that's a lot of things. Because I was trying to understand who God was. And I understand secular recovery and I understand the reluctance to say or put a name on it. But I would ask my counselor repeatedly, who is, what is a higher power? And his answer was something more powerful than you. And I'm old right now, I suck. So anything is more powerful than me. An ant is probably more powerful than me. I have no willpower. I'm sick all the time. I have no, no self-respect, no self-worth, no self-value. And I, I was really yearning to know what that was. And he never would say, I would say, is, it, is a higher power God? Well, it could be. You know, I know the old joke about the doorknob. I mean, he never said that. So for me, he asked me to pick a higher power. And so I did. I said, okay, my higher power is the ocean, right? That, the ocean's more powerful than me, right? Way more powerful than me. So I found myself going to Lover's Point every day and standing in the ocean every day. I would go to my four hours at the recovery center, eat all the Fred Flintstone sherbet push-ups I could hold. You know, they, got free, they got great food in the freezer there, man. Lots of ice cream. I ate lots of ice cream. Now I know they charge $1,000 a day, right? I bet I ate probably $200 worth of ice cream a day. But I would go every day, and I would stand in the ocean, and I, and I had an expectation that things were going to change. But every day as I got out of the ocean, dried off, cold, defeated, and went home, 
I could never understand why nothing was changing for me. Well, nothing was changing for me because the ocean can't do anything for me. Yes, it is more powerful than I am. It is greater than I am. The ocean is really, really cool, really, really nice. But there was nothing about the ocean that was going to change my life. I wanted to know what a higher power was. And so I came to know personally uh, when I started coming to this church, still using, that, okay, God appears to be more powerful than me. So why, why would I not try that? I've tried, I've tried everything, everything under the sun that I could think of, read about, hear about, ask about. I tried it, and nothing seemed to do anything for me. So I'm like, okay, well, let me just keep going until I find something. So I'm like, well, what do I have to lose? I mean, I have nothing to lose but everything to gain, right? It doesn't cost me anything to go to church. It doesn't require anything of me but maybe my time. So what I had to do was I had to be willing to come and sit over here and listen to the music, which I wasn't a big fan of. You know, I didn't understand what worship meant. I didn't understand the message. I didn't understand the context. I didn't understand what does that mean for me and how does that affect my life. But what I had to do was understand my place. And my place was that I had made a choice to do it and to try it fully no matter what. Like I said a few weeks ago, if you want to go to the nearest star, you better be in for 202,000 years of space travel at 17,500 miles an hour. Right, So you got to be in for it. So I understand that my place in this situation was going to be that I'm going to sit there and I'm going to do my best to understand. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to ask people, hey, you know, Pastor Bill just talked for an hour and I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. I don't understand. It, it, what, it, what does all of that have to do with me? And, and people would take time to explain it to me. And after a while, some would be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So like the Proverbs, you know, the Proverbs made sense because it was like wisdom. It was like, don't steal, don't borrow, don't lend, don't hang out with, with loose women, don't do this, don't do that, listen to your mother, listen to your father, you know, don't be a jerk. So those things made good sense to me. So what it was, was it was a place for me to start. So now I have some understanding of what the Bible is talking about. I can begin to, to bring some of that into my life and my understanding. But it's a commitment. It takes a really, really long time. I still talk to people all the time that have been studying the Bible for a really, really long time. And, the, and we all have questions. I have questions. I, I hear Nate say up here so many times, hey, here's this text. Some people believe this. Some people believe that. I'm not completely sure what it even means. You know, and it's okay to say I don't, I don't understand. I will never stand up here and pretend to know everything the Bible says because it's a mystery I will never fully understand because it's pretty deep. And the interesting thing about the Bible is it may mean something to you today, and then 10 years from now it may mean something more. It may mean more to you. It may have a deeper meaning is because as we learn and grow in God and we begin to, to mature and to develop, 
we begin to understand those deep things of God, and it begins to be a good situation. So I'm going to go through Isaiah, uh, starting in verse 12, and it's got some really, really cool stuff in it here. Let me find, I keep going right past it here. I like, I, I like the title that, that, that the NLT gives it. It says, it says, the Lord has no equal. And the good thing about that is if the Lord had an equal, he wouldn't be the Lord, right? So the Lord has to be in his own category. He has to be one to himself. So verse 12 says, who else has held the oceans in his hand? Now, if you think about it, if I was looking at the ocean as my higher power, and that was what I was seeing as my higher power, the scripture right here kind of dispels that. Because it says right here, it says, who has held the ocean in his hand? Well, now, if there's somebody big enough to hold this thing that I think is my higher power in his hand, would that thing not be more powerful than the ocean? If you could hold it in your hand, absolutely. It's a pretty big ocean, amen? But I love what it says. It says, who else has held the ocean in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? I just told you guys last week to go to the nearest star. 202,000 or 200, whatever, whatever I said, a long time, uh, really more time than any of us are ever going to even think or hope or dream to imagine, right? This is like Star Trek stuff, you know, William Shatner, like, like Nate was talking about. This was like to go where no man has ever gone before, you know, but it says that he measured it with his finger. We know that space is infinite. Every... We know they sent this new telescope up, and they keep telling us, I mean, and the fascinating thing about that is, is, is the more technology expands, we find out that space is bigger, which surprises us because we know that space is infinite. But even if we know space is infinite in our, in our finite mind, we don't actually realize that until we hear all of us know this news telescope is up, and it's even reaching out further, and we're like, we're surprised by it. You know, because we're not taking the word infinite seriously and applying it like it should be. So if, if God can measure the infinite space with his finger, hey, he's pretty powerful. He knows the weight of the earth. He has also weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale. I think this is probably more allegorical than I don't think he literally, you know, you know. How many of you have a bathroom scale? You know, I don't, I don't think we're putting the, the earth and the mountains on a bathroom scale. You know, I got on that bathroom scale this morning. I was like, boy, this Christmas season has not been good to me. But then I had to rethink that. No, no, this Christmas season has been fine to me. I have not been fine to me during this Christmas. Too many six-packs of Reese's peanut butter cups, too many cheesecakes. Don't get me started. Bless you. Um... Who is, who, who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or to teach him? Would anybody in here tonight say, well, I got a thing or two. I mean, you know, we've all heard the expression, you know, I'd like to teach that guy a thing or two, right? Or that girl a thing or two. Or so-and-so thinks they know it all. How many of us in here are smart enough that we would say, you know what? I, you know, God could learn a thing or two from me. All right? Anybody? I mean, that would be pretty bold, wouldn't it? 
You know, I mean, I could tell them some great places to eat, you know, but I don't ever pretend that I'm wise enough to tell him anything he doesn't already know, right? It says, has the Lord ever needed advice from anybody, you know? When we pray, we ask God for things, right? I don't think any of us have ever sat down and said, you know, dear Lord, dear Lord you know, thank you for who you are. Let me, let, me, let me give you some advice, right? We kind of do that when we tell him what he should give us, right? Because our prayer list sometimes look like our shopping list or our to-do list. You know, I was asking Austin today, what are you doing? He goes, and it was funny because now that he's engaged, he has a honeydew list. And he said, well, I got to put all these shelves together today. I said, what would happen if you didn't put them together? He said, well, I don't really want to find out. (laughs) Amen, he knows better. (laughs) What I should have said to him, let let me give you some advice. (laughs) You better get them done. (laughs) And read the instructions. Amen? I think the last time I put something together recently, I... I laid the paper out, and I got all the screws, and I put them on top of the little picture. Four number J's, boom. Four number I's, boom. Three number R rods. I was like, all the stuff is here. The instructions are here. The stuff is here. So if it doesn't go together right, it's on me, right? Even God could put together IKEA furniture without advice. All right. It said, did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? You know, what I really like about this passage is it's giving us like these, like these, what we call like no-brainers, you know? Can anybody teach God anything? No. Did anybody have to show him right for wrong? No. What God does is he shows us right for wrong. He teaches us the difference between good and bad. And And why are those things so important? Those things are so important because when we make bad choices, we get into situations that we don't want to be. You know, I don't think anybody that I saw in jail, if I would have said, you, are you glad you're here? They would have all said, no, I don't want to be here. You know, I wanted to, you know, I mean, how, we could have took, what, two, three hundred of them with us. You know, I told Bob, I want to take all of them home. I do. I would, I, you know, but I don't have 933 beds. I just don't. But the only difference between them and us is they're waiting for an opportunity, and we have an opportunity, right? And that's what we should know about not squandering opportunities or not giving up on things that we, you know, if, like I say, I say all this, if you're here tonight and you're sober, amen to that. That's what I say. You missed that. Amen all by myself. Here we go. No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. There is nothing more than the dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as well as, as, as if it were a grain of sand. So what we're seeing here is things are just really simple to him. He's in charge and we're not. It's for us to understand our place in this situation you know when you get a job, right, you have a what? You have a boss. 
And if you want to keep your job, what do you do? Who do you listen to? You listen to your boss, right? If your boss tells you this is what you need to do, this is what you're going to do, this is what you're supposed to do, what do you do? You do it whether you like it or not. Maybe you don't love your job, but hopefully we're smart enough to say, I don't love this job, but I need this job, right? So like it or not, I'm going to listen to my boss, right? Hopefully, if you're sitting here tonight, you say, well, who, who's the boss? Who's in charge? Well, a lot of us would say, I'm in charge, you know? And really, if you think about it, and I hate to, to burst your what are you really in charge of? Think about it. If you say to yourself, and I know I'm in charge, what are you in charge of? Are you, do you make sure the sun comes up tomorrow? Right? Do you make sure your car starts? No, I mean, literally, think about it. You get up, you assume the sun is going to rise. You assume your, start, your car is going to start. You assume when you get in the shower and turn on that hot water is going to come out. You look over and you automatically grab that bar of soap sitting there, right? Don't we? I mean, really, life is full of assumptions. You know, in any one of those things, you know, the water heater could go out. Your wife could have used all the soap. You know, you could have a dead battery or someone could have stole your battery, um, like I used to do so much of. I was pretty good at stealing batteries. Um, but we make these assumptions that things are just there, you know. But really, we shouldn't. You know, if we wanna, if we wanna understand our place, and we say, okay, I'm going to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a shot. What the heck? God's in charge. God is my boss. So, if you're gonna say God is your boss, then that means you need to listen to God. Well, how do you listen to God? Well, if you're a new believer, you could go stand outside and wait to hear this booming voice coming down from the heavens, which you may or not ever hear, you know, I don't think I've ever heard a booming voice, you know, you know, I mean, I, I know we all, we've all seen Bruce Almighty, you know, that's Hollywood's way of God speaking to you, you know, show me a sign or whatever, but a lot of times the way God speak to us, speaks to us is with like impressions, like, no, I should behave, I should listen. I should want to learn. I should want to do what's good for me, you know? So God speaks to us through kind of through our heart, through our soul, through like you just kind of start doing things differently. But are you committed to that? And if you are, that's because you're understanding what place you have in this situation, you know, because I, I mean, when Michelle told me that she was a Christian, I blew up. It was nuclear. It was, it was nuclear. I mean, I broke furniture. And I yelled as loud as I could, God is not in charge. I'm in charge. Well, that didn't work out very well. What we ended up with was broken furniture and a mad wife. And I don't, I probably slept on the couch or in my car. I don't know. I certainly didn't want to be in the house. But the embarrassing thing is, as it turns out, I mean, if you want to fast forward all these years, me being a pastor at the very church that, that I got sober in, I mean, obviously, I came to realize that God is in charge, you know? But we don't have to learn that the hard way. 
we can learn it really the easy way. It's simply by having a little bit of faith. Like, okay, I have nothing else to lose. Might as well try this, you know? It says, he picks up the whole earth that was a grain of sand, all of the wood in the Lebanon's forest, and all the Lebanon's animals could not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for nothing less than mere emptiness and froth. Verse 18, it says, who can you compare to God? I don't know. Who, who I mean, who can you compare to God? You know, because anybody you can compare to God would be uncomparable or he wouldn't be God, right? If you think about that, I know people say all these things all the time to try to disprove, you know, could God make a rock so heavy that even he couldn't pick it up? You know, those are just people, <clears throat> what I would call just making fun of or, or making light of something that you can't really understand or explain. And really, do you have to understand it? I mean, think about it. I mean, I, yeah, I like to know how things work, but really when it comes down to it, right, when I flip that light switch on in the morning, I'm just happy the light comes on. You know, I don't, you know, I don't need to know, you know, if I'm on nuclear power, how the atom is split and how it creates fusion and that creates heat and blah, blah, blah. And it's, I don't need to know all that. And at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, I don't really care. All I know is I want to go in my kitchen, flip on my light, open my coffee machine, stick a pot in, close it, push the button, wait a couple of minutes, and grab a cup of coffee, right? That's all I want to do. I don't really care how it works. You know, I have faith in the fact that it's going to work, and now I have faith that God is there, that God is true, that God is reliable, that God is understanding, that God is compassionate, that God loves me, that God cares, that God will redeem those who seek him. What can you, uh, excuse me, what, um, what um, image can you find to resemble him? None. Can he compare to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold, or decorated with silver chains? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay, and he's still a skilled craftsman. So we know that, we, we, we know that people worship idols, right? So this is just simply saying you know, why would you worship an idol that's made in the image of, of God? You know, why don't you just worship God? Why don't you just trust God? Why don't you just put a little bit of faith in God? You know, even a little bit of faith. is. If you have no faith, start with a little bit of faith, right? If I challenge you tomorrow to run a marathon, how many of you are going to get up tomorrow, running and, tomorrow morning and run 26 miles? No. No. If you're going to say, all right, I'll start running soon. And then you're going to pick a day pretty far out in the future, right? I'll start running in, in March. You know, like when Michelle and I would pick a marathon, the beauty is there's a website that you go on that you put the marathon date, right? And it says, if you're running a marathon on this date, this is the date you have to start training, you have to start on this date, and you have to run this many miles on these days, and it lays it out, and it's like clockwork, and pretty soon, from nothing, month, three or four months later, it's a Sunday afternoon, 
You're out with your wife and you're running 20 miles, right? I remember the day we, the first day that we hit our first 20 mile mark. Um, pretty tired, we're running. And I can hear Michelle talking. And so I turn around and jog back. And I just listened. I'll have the macaroni and cheese, the, the meatzilla pizza, the breadsticks. She was talking to Domino's. Man, she ordered so much food. It would have took 56 miles to burn all that off. But the beauty is, you, so if we understand our place, we, we need to pick a point. Let's pick a starting point and pick, pick or grab somebody and say, hey, help me. Help me pick a place to start. Tell me what to do, and I'll do it. That's okay. You can do that, right? I do that to people all the time. You know, I remember one day I went up to Pastor Nate, and I said, Pastor Nate. He was over me. You know, I was like the pesky husband that nobody liked because everybody was praying for my wife because I was so mean. And, you know, I was the dude that lived in the parking lot in his van. So I was pretty annoying. Some of you might think I'm still annoying, and that's okay. But I went up to Pastor Nate one day and said, Pastor Nate, got a question for you. I said, I want you to recommend a book for me that's going to explain the Bible. He, like, did, it, did the old, huh. Well, Mike, that would be the Bible. <laughs> I said, Nate, you don't seem to understand what I'm asking you. I want a book that will explain to me what the Bible is all about. He gave it the old thing again, like, being, like he was being sarcastic, like, well, Mike, that would be the Bible. I wasn't, now I was mad. I annoyed, I was annoyed. Nate, please, I don't want to read the Bible. I want to read a book that tells me about the Bible and what the Bible means and what the Bible says so that I don't have to read the Bible and I will know what the Bible is about. Well, Mike, for the fourth time, that would be the Bible. I said, whatever, man. <laughs> and I walked away. So I've been waiting all these years for somebody to ask me that question. It must have been a dumb question because nobody's even asked me that question since then. <laughs> That's been like 20 years ago. I'm waiting to say, huh, that would be the Bible. <laughs> so, all right. It says, haven't you heard, verse 21, don't you understand? Are you deaf to God, the word of God as the words before you, as, as, excuse me, as the words he gave before the world began? Are you ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth and the people bow Below seem like grasshoppers to him. I mean, so I mean, to him, we're we're I mean, we're not we're not a big part of his day, right? I mean, surely he wants to fellowship with us, right? Surely he wants us to do the right thing, you know. But it's not like you're going to ruin his whole life if you if you don't. I mean, I mean, surely 
He came, he came to seek and save that which was lost. So he did come for us, right? And think about how many opportunities he's given you to come to him, how many times you got out of trouble, how many times you didn't get pulled over when you should have, how many times your stash didn't get found, or how many times you didn't get arrested, or how many times charges got dismissed in court, right? Think about it. Think about how many times you should have been in trouble and you didn't get in trouble. And you, you think that you chalk it up to you're just smart, right? I am just so smart, right? I didn't get in trouble again. I'm so smart. I always say that everybody in jail should be a lawyer. Because, man, when I was in jail, I got so much legal advice. And you know how much of it actually came to pass? None. It was, it was, it was, it was awful advice. So listen to, your, listen to your public defender, right? Really. I mean, people give, I think public defenders really get the, the kind of get the raw deal, you know? I mean, I, I know some great ones. I mean, I know people that really work hard because they want to see people change. Not because they're getting a paycheck. Believe me, you, me, people that go into to law, like public defender law, they do it because they truly have a compassion for people. Not because they're making like stacks and stacks of cash, right? They're not, because they're not. And we are not the easiest people in the world to, to uh, you know, we're not. We're not the easiest people to defend because usually we're guilty, right? You know, it, it was news to me when I went to court for the first time, and I'm not a naive person. I'm really not. I'm pretty street smart. He'll, I mean, like, uh, when, uh, when the judge called my case and the public defender came and sat next to me, introduced himself really quickly, and then they, they asked me for a plea, and I'm like, why is he saying I'm not guilty? Not guilty, time waived, all, you know, just all the stuff. I'm like, but I'm, I, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I am so guilty. Why is he saying I'm not guilty? You know, when I am. Well, you know, that's just a, it just buys you more time to figure out your case and work out a deal and get out of jail. But let me give you some really good advice. Stay out of trouble. Stay out of jail. You don't need to work a deal. You don't have to get involved with the public defender's office, right? Like I said when I started tonight, make that different choice and stay on this side of the wall, right? Don't go to, don't go to the jail because then, like I said, the last person you want to see at the jail is Mike and Michelle and Bob Langley with Char handing out candy, right? Because there is no place to hide in that cell. None. You're going to see us whether you want to or not, right? So do, do what you need to. Do what's right in, in God's eyes, right? It says, verse 20, look up to the heavens who created all the stars. He brings them out like an army after one another, calling each by its name because of his great power and incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? You know, God knows what's going on in our life. He knows what bothers us. He knows what's troubling us. He knows what we want to do. But the question is, are we going to do that? What is the difference between wanting to do something and doing it? 
right? There's a difference, isn't there? Because you can want to do something all of all you want. You know, I want to stop. We've all said, you know, we we all have said a million times it's the last day, right? Right? Haven't we? Last time, last time, last time. Not going to do it again. But what happens the next day? Well, what happens the next day is you're given another opportunity to make a choice, and we just make the choice that we're used to making, and we say, okay, why not? Because I did it yesterday, and I did it the day before, and I did it the day before. Well, there's going to come a day when you have to say, no, I have to make a different choice. I have to understand my place in this equation because there's a life out there that I want to get back to. I want a job. I want a car. I want a paycheck. I want a family. You know, I want to be able to buy my kids things, or I want to get married someday and have kids, right? I'm tired of being in jail. I'm tired of living on the streets. I'm tired of couch surfing. I'm tired of being a bum. I'm tired of everybody looking down on me. I'm tired of always going to jail. I'm tired of always being in trouble. In fact, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. But if you haven't gotten there, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Then you really just have to understand your place and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to stick to it. And be determined to do it. And tell somebody what you're trying to do. Help me do this. Right? Hey, mentor. I'm doing these things. I don't want to do them. Help me. When you call me, ask me, how are you doing with this? How are you doing? Are you staying away from chocolate cake? Or are you, are you reading your Bible? How, when you talk to your family, how is the conversation going? Are you, are you arguing with your spouse? Or your kids still hold grudges against you for all the things that you put them through? Talk, talk to them and talk them through. So, But you can't do it if you don't. Speak up, right? If you don't say, hey, I need help with these things, nothing's going to change, right? He gives power to the weak, and he gives strength to the powerless. Even the youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength, and they will soar high on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint. So, as we go into, how many people have made New Year's resolutions? Nobody? Chad, all right. No more chocolate cake, right? All right. Never, ever, all right, I'll hold you to it. He needs to be my cat. He brought me the fattest sandwich today. I wasn't even hungry and I ate it. Yeah, see, that, see, that tells you something about me right there. Got to love my brother, though. So I'm not telling you to make a New Year's resolution. I'm just saying what New Year's is kind of is, is it's kind of like a reset button. I have a fresh year, a fresh slate, a new opportunity to start things and do things and make a plan and see how, see how far in the year I can get with my plan, right? If you only make it a couple of months, you know what? At least you, you tried. You know, I'm not giving you that as a now. Maybe you're going to make it the full year. Maybe you're going to make a change in this new year, and it's going to be something that's going to follow you through for the next 20 years. I don't know. But shouldn't we at least try to add something 
or make something different in our life as we go into this next year, whether it's to be nicer or to spend more time reading my Bible or to be more understanding or to be more compassionate or to try to learn something new, you know, be teachable, be approachable, be pliable, you know, allow somebody else to speak to my, speak into your life. Aren't you worth that decision? Aren't you, aren't all of you in this room worth that choice? Aren't all of you worth that effort, right? There's nothing wrong with doing something nice for yourself, and the nicest thing you could do for yourself is to continue your journey in sobriety, right? Amen? So I'm going to invite Mr. Langley back up. So Lord, we thank you for being able to celebrate Christmas sober. We thank you for being able to celebrate Christmas safe and be in an environment where we are safe. So Lord, I just pray as we go into this new year that we we can look at our lives, evaluate it, and make some choices to make some changes if we need to this new year. So Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.